Welcome back, everybody, to Trad Men. Or I, it's Trad Women, actually. I, yeah. And I'm the guest, I guess. <laughs> and, even, and even the fact that we're trad, uh, I feel like, is debatable in some circles, you know? And uh, yeah, I know. I was I was watching my <laughs> intro and I'm seeing, okay, I got to replace that clip with that guy. Got to replace that clip. Don't oh, like him no. anymore. Not with that dude anymore. I know. I'm yeah, so I, don't, I don't count as trad. I don't even get to go to the Latin Mass every week. <laughs> you know what? The, the the real tradition was the friends we made along the way. Okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to an exciting live episode of Tradman. We've got our, 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 our co-host, Angela Erickson, who apparently is our co-host now because Jason has ghosted <laughs> Jason on the show. Jason stepped out. <laughs> Jason. Actually, this one isn't his fault. I didn't know we were going to do a show tonight till about 6.30. I, I plan to do the show. And then had a conversation entirely with myself where I was like, well, they're doing a it bunch of live episodes. It was totally by yourself. And I had thought I that I had the conversation that. with everybody else. But in fact, it was all going on in my head. Yeah. And then so uh, and so I get a text from Rob. He's like, hey, are y'all going live tonight? And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to include everybody else in my <laughs> And your brain and just works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so I was like, yeah, we'll morning, go live. I was like, um, Bueller. Bueller? <laughs> I was bringing you yesterday. Oh, goodness. Guys, I apologize. Prepping for heaven. Let me tell you what happened on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I created a thumbnail and then created a broadcast in YouTube and then went over to StreamYard and created a broadcast because I didn't know what I was doing. And that's why you missed the show. That was my fault, not your fault. We're <laughs> glad to have you with us. Um, Kind of an interesting show tonight, and I figured this would be a good topic for us to have because I think those of us who are members of traditional Latin mass communities or who just go to Catholic church in general, right, will notice a lot of big families, 20-something kids, everybody prays the rosary together, and you just think, why can't my family be like that? And I thought, I think there, I, I think there's a lot of people out there who think that who look at that and, and have that feeling. But I think having a, a dysfunctional family, coming from a dysfunctional family and having sort of toxic family relationships is more common than I think a lot of people realize. And so how do we deal with that at Christmas time when the whole concept of family is like, it's wound up in the, in the Holy day itself, right? The Holy family mm -hmm. is the, is the symbol of the holiday. And then we have the commandments like to honor our father and our mother. And how do we deal with that when we have family relationships that just don't work? And it's, it might be because there's toxic or abusive relationships going on. Might, it might be because there was a falling out because of something else. There could be a variety of reasons for these estranged types of relationships. Mm -hmm. So I thought this might be a good episode for us to do that with. And um, as always, we begin with a prayer and I'll go ahead and pray the Vini Sancti Spiritus. We'll invite the Holy Spirit to come and give us grace and, and wisdom so that we can have an edifying discussion on what could be a, a difficult topic. Um, and so if you would like, please join along with us. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Vini Sancti Spiritus, reple tuora corda fidelium et tuia modis in eis igni macende. Imitim Spiritum tuum et creabuntur et renovabis faciem tere. Oremos. 
Deus qui corda fidelium sancti spiritus illustrationi doculisti, da nobis iniorum spiritu recta sapere, et de eos semper consolationi gadere, per Christum Dominum nostrum. Amen. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. Our good friend Hope Blyton, who, oh, I'm sorry, I said your last name. My, our good friend Hope, I'm sorry if I outed you guys, is Rob over at Avoiding Babylon's wife. So, hi Hope, welcome to Tradmen, welcome to the show. Um, that's why the background looks familiar. That's why the background looks familiar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, people are like, who's Hope and why is she on the show? There there you go. Now, I'm sure if you guys tune into Avoiding Babylon, you all know Hope. But mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who are Tradmen listeners, if you haven't subscribed to Avoiding Babylon, I get it. I get it. Just go over there and subscribe. Okay. Anthony, you know, he, we, we love him. We've you know, learned from Margo. He can grow on you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Have we given her crap for that yet? <laughs> Yeah, Rob, I doxed you. Oh, yeah. Well, you doxed yourself. You you got your your last name right there in the thing, buddy. I don't know what to do for you. Uh, I'm dying. That was such a funny interview. It was so great. Uh, and I um, loved watching her almost literally jump out of her seat when he brought up pineapple on pizza. I mean, she was that was like <laughs> the most visceral reaction I've ever seen somebody give about whether or not there should be pineapple on pizza. And she's not even Italian, is she? Look, man, I am not a pineapple on pizza guy. Fruit on pizza. That's just what? I love I love what the flavor oh. combination of sweet and savory and sweet and spicy too. So like if I have pineapple on pizza, it is usually also with bacon and jalapenos. Like I love oh, that combination. Amazing. I like sweet and salty stuff too. I'm not, or, or sweet and savory stuff too. I guess for me, it's like there's, there's juice. Like pineapple has juice in it. I don't want fruit juice on my pizza. It <laughs> just sounds Kaylee? bizarre. <laughs> Literally, he's like mold. He grows in weird places. <laughs> oh my gosh. It Anthony, Anthony, if you're watching the show, Moldy bro, Ant. come on to the show. Come on to the show. We'd love to have you. Come on, um, Moldy Ant. So, so I, I, I wanted to open the show real quick with a quote from uh, His Holiness Pope St. John Paul II, who wrote a uh, an apostolic letter, apostolic exhortation called Familiaris Consortio. And it's all about um, the family and marriage. It's a really beautiful um with uh, it's just an entirely beautiful uh, apostolic exhortation the last uh, paragraph paragraph 85 is addressed to those without a family i wish to add further word for a category of people whom as a result of the actual circumstances in which they're living and this often not through their own deliberate wish i consider particularly close to the heart of christ and deserving in the affection an active solicitude of the church and of pastors. There exist in the world countless people who unfortunately cannot in any sense claim membership of what could be called the proper sense of family. Large sections of humanity live in conditions of extreme poverty in which promiscuity, lack of housing, the irregular nature and instability of relationships, and the extreme lack of education make it impossible in practice to speak of a true family. There are others who, for various reasons, have been left alone in the world. 
And yet for all of these people, there exists good news of the family. On behalf of all those living in extreme poverty, I've already spoken of the urgent need to work courageously in order to find solutions. Also at the political level, which make it possible to help them and to overcome this inhumane condition of degradation. It is a task that faces the whole of society, but in a special way, the authorities by reason of their position and their responsibilities flowing there, following therefrom, and also families, which must show great understanding and willingness to help. For those who have no natural family, the doors of the great family, which is the church, the church which finds concrete expression in the diocesan and parish family, in ecclesial basic communities, and in movements of the apostolate must be opened even wider. No one is without a family in this world. This is so beautiful. No one is without a family in this world. The church is a home and a family for everyone, especially those who labor and are heavy laden. What a beautiful paragraph from His Holiness. Um, he wrote so many things that were ahead of their time. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you. Uh, his, his, his letters on, on male and female, they create, he created them and, and theology of the body, which I know is controversial, but like mm -hmm. if the <laughs> theology of the body could confront all this gender dysmorphia stuff that's going, it speaks directly to it and is a direct confrontation to it. Mm -hmm. It's so it's good stuff. <sighs> Guys who here gets to go over to visit their parents? during Christmas and holidays and stuff, which one anyone do either of y'all? Yeah. So that's a good question. I typically don't. Uh, well, yeah, we sort of usually take Christmas as an opportunity to stay home and have our own family traditions with our little, uh, our own little nuclear family. Um, this year there were some changes to our schedule. So, um, for the first time in years, we're spending Christmas Eve with my side of the family. And uh, yeah, it's going to be different. Um, I, I, you know, I'm still not sure how I feel about it, but. Um, Does it, do, do you get, do you, and Hope, I'd like to hear your, your uh, thoughts on this too. So do the holidays depress you because of, of the estranged or or non-existent relationship with people with, with, and, and obviously you all have your own families at this point. Mm -hmm. So there's that lessens, I think a little bit of it because you do have a family you belong to. You've got, and, and as do I, yeah, but Sorry, going, you see my mic going crazy. Veronica's <laughs> speaking, speaking of which, Sorry. right? <laughs> yeah. You're wondering why I have this floating microphone, <laughs> but I mean, growing up or at least before you, before you had your families, was it, were the holidays a depressing or, or, you know, otherwise not happy time? Yeah. As soon as I was old enough to work, I was I was trying to schedule myself double shifts every holiday so that I could yeah. get out of having to go get ignored and insulted in a corner. I'm At, so literally, sorry. with the exception of Christmases with my sister, I absolutely hated the holidays. Yeah, we'd go to my sister's Christmas morning, and we'd have a great time. You know, have our have our karma rolls, and you know just like have you know fun as a family but that was other than that like I wanted nothing to do with my family holidays I was like scheduling myself double shifts double back shifts you know oh sorry work sorry mm. have to can't can't come can't come I had can't siblings that would do that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and so like for me for me I would always um 
so my, my, my parents have been divorced since I was three years old. Um, and like all good Catholics in the seventies, divorced, remarried several times over, um, you know, my father likes to brag that he's never been to confession, goes to communion every Sunday has never been to confession. I can't go to mass with dad anymore. I just can't do it because uh, it just, uh, I can't, I can't do it. And now here's the thing. He told me, well, when I joined the Catholic church, cause he's not a cradle. When I joined the Catholic church, uh, the priest told me we weren't doing that anymore. Like that they got rid oh, of Oh Lord like, have mercy. Got rid of one of the seven sacraments. Oh, okay. Oh. But here's the thing. He joined in the seventies. It's entirely possible. The priest told him that I, I can't. Yeah. But for way. him to cling to that, despite evidence to the contrary, yeah. that's still on him. Well, and you know what I mean? O- but here's the other thing. He doesn't say he's sorry to anybody. Never that's has really interesting. Never will. That is beneath him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now my mother, on the other hand, uh, is not a, to- well, is not necessarily in and of herself, a toxic personality. She just clings to them. So she went and married another narcissistic personality disorder. Who's a malignant narcissist and mm-hmm. she's his enabler. Right. Mm-hmm. So for the 25 years she's been married to him, he has been an absolute jerk. He, he has done everything possible to let me know your mom's in a new family now and you're not in it. So that's been that. Um, Yeah, that's really hard, too, when you feel like a complete outsider. I remember my mom um, remarried when I was eight years old. And whenever we would spend time with uh, my stepdad's family, I always sensed we were not. uh, We weren't really brought into the fold. You know, we were always kind of the black sheep. And. I mean, even the kinds of gifts, like my, my, um, step siblings would get these really cool gifts and then we would get like the weirdest, cheapest stuff ever. Like you could tell there was a very, it was so different. And, um, we just grew to kind of expect that when we would go like that, it would always be awkward and that we would never really be embraced as part of the family. Whereas like my mom's family really took in my my siblings and stuff like they really became a part of the family and were integrated in in pretty much every way so um it it was definitely different going from one family event to the other and then even with my own biological dad I mean I never saw him I mean there were some early Christmases shortly after the divorce um where we did see him but that didn't last long you know it was just sort of like you get the occasional, you get the gift, you know, like you might get that in the mail or something. Um, but there were no Christmases uh, spent with him after, I don't know, probably the time I was 10 or maybe even before that. Um, and even still, he'll just like send gifts uh, around Christmas time for the kids. And that's been a, a hard thing to navigate because my kids don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do I navigate explaining to them where this gift came from? Because they have no idea who he is. And I don't want my children to suddenly realize that there are parents who divorce. Like, I don't want to introduce that idea into Mm -hmm. their minds because I don't ever want them to question whether or not mommy and daddy are going to stay together. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in their mind, they understand that marriage is something that lasts forever until you die, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And so like having to have that conversation and kind of break that understanding that they have of marriage, 
um, that, that was scary for me to like figure out how to navigate that. It took me years to try and figure out the best way to explain this to my kids. And my oldest is seven now. So she's finally kind of starting to understand who this person is that she gets gifts from once a year, you know? Right. Um, but that's another mm -hmm. layer that I think people sort of forget when, when parents are divorcing. I mean, it, it's not just like a, it's not just like a one-time event. It, it, it follows mm -hmm. you your whole life. And then it follows you again in new ways. When you have children, it's not just navigating the two Christmases anymore. It's navigating how to explain these things to your children and how to like, you know, do I want to spend time with you? Do I not really want to spend time with you? Like, what does this mean? Are you, are you really celebrating Christmas because you're Christian or are you celebrating it because this is just culturally what people do? Um, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. No, I think, I think a lot, you know, our, the, 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 the generation that came about in the sixties, the baby boomer generation made a whole big deal about divorce, how it was just the greatest thing in the world and it doesn't hurt anybody. And, you know, it, it, and they never bothered to ask their kids how they felt about it. Cause they don't care how other people feel about things. That, that kind of stuff doesn't bother them so much. Oh, get that baby. Hope. <laughs> there you go. Hope. <laughs> get ready. This is going to be you. <laughs> Reach through the screen and just snuggle her. Isn't she so cute? <laughs> I'm gonna steal her. She's adorable. Anthony said, "How allegedly, do you not eat her?" Allegedly steal. <laughs> oh yes. Sorry. I just wanted to say, hope kidnapping. Our lawyer federal, talk. Kidnapping's a federal crime. I can't help you with that one. That's. <laughs> Although you wouldn't be crossing state lines, but it's still it's still considered a federal True. crime. Um, no, my. My father, uh, my father and I had a complicated relationship growing up. It's, it's very hard to tell a man who's never had emotions to please stop hurting my feelings. That just whew, right over his head. Well, they don't know that they don't understand that other people do have feelings. And if they do, their feelings are invalid. They don't, your feelings, yeah. they, they're not legitimate. Mm -hmm. I, I just honestly don't think my father's ever had an emotion. I just don't think that I, I, I even asked my dad one time, I was like, when's the last time you felt sad about something? I, I don't know. I don't feel sad. And I'm like, you don't think that's a little strange that you don't just don't feel sadness. That sounds like a sociopath. Sort of. But see, the thing about my dad is he's not out to hurt your feelings. And he does care. If you, if you tell him what you just said hurt my feelings, he'll go, oh, oh, okay. I won't do that anymore. He doesn't say I'm sorry. That's but, and then he really won't do it anymore. He, he, he gets it. He, and he really does try, at least in his older age, when he was, when I was younger, he didn't give a crap. But the thing with my mother, unfortunately, so me and me and dad do have a relationship. Um, but you know, my mother's husband has fired me from jobs. He has ruined my credit. He has, I could, I could go list by list and tell you the things that, that he has done to me. And finally, last Thanksgiving, he started, he, he picked a fight with me for no reason. Other than to, he, he, he sat down, I was sitting at the table with my mother. We're just, we're not even saying anything. We're playing on our phones, you know? And he sits down and he goes, so Kyle Rittenhouse. And I went, oh boy, here we go. You know? <laughs> and I just thought, okay, well maybe he's going to ask me for a legal opinion about the trial or something like that. It all degenerated into how I was morally culpable for everybody that's ever going to get shot. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get people killed. It's all my fault. All this, that, and the other thing. 
And I finally sat back at the table and I went, I'm 43 years old. I don't have to spend time with anybody I don't want to spend time with. And I looked over at my mother and I just went, have a happy Thanksgiving. And I stood up and I walked out and I haven't talked to her since. That was a, a year ago, basically, with a little bit more. Um, and let me tell you something. I finally enjoy the holidays. This this holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, I'm having a great time. I'm loving it mm -hmm. because there's no toxicity there. There's mm -hmm. not that, oh, mom's going to ask me to come over and I'm going to have to lie because <sighs> I, you know, all, all this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, and, there's not that looming anticipation where you're like the eggshells. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like if you grow up in, an, in a dysfunctional environment, you're always walking on eggshells because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop at all times. You are waiting for the thing to set someone off. And you know that the likelihood that someone is going to say something um, and, and like ruin it for everybody is mm -hmm. there. You know, yeah. like that was one reason I stopped hosting Thanksgiving at my house. When I first moved, when, when my husband and I first moved to, to our current home, I was super pregnant. Um, in fact, my, my, one of my kiddos turns four tomorrow. So I was pregnant with her. So I was just weeks away from, from having her. And I hosted my whole family, uh, for Thanksgiving. We had just moved in September 1st. And I hosted everyone. I cooked most of the meal. I mean, we're talking over 50% of the meal. I'm nine months pregnant and I'm the only other one with like multiple kids. Mm. And, and of course the first thing a certain someone comes into my house and says is, Oh, that picture is hung too high. And I just remember going, <laughs> I said, do you always go into everyone's house and criticize their yeah. decor is that yeah. just something you do and at first i at the time i mean i was hormonal and you know i'm like stressed i've been cooking all day you know <laughs> like i'm cooking the turkey i'm doing all this stuff and making pies and um and i at first i was like man angela i i might be overreacting a little bit i don't know um and and then later i was like oh no oh, wait i might be mixing up pregnancy stories there were two, two Thanksgivings. <laughs> I think this was one where I found out I was pregnant. There were two, because there were two times that, that I hosted Thanksgiving and both times there was something that happened. And I just like, this is awful. This one, I realized I was pregnant. That's how I found out I was pregnant because I was super hormonal and was like the next day I thought, wow, I was like raging. Normally I can control my anger <laughs> when these situations arise. And I spent all of Black Friday driving around and going, what the heck happened? That was that was over the top for me. And then I went home and was like, I need to take a pregnancy test. <laughs> and I found out <laughs> I was pregnant. That was after the previous year when I was like, I hate this. This is stupid. Why am I doing this? Because something else had transpired that year too. And, and that was it. Like I finally just, after that, I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I subjecting myself to this knowing that it's not going to be an enjoyable experience? I'm busting my tail off and I'm the only one with a bunch of kids. No one comes to help me clean up. No one helps me prepare really like this is not equally yoked amongst everyone coming. Right. Please. No, Jason. Stop that. <laughs> stop that. But <laughs> I know it's always a pre because I mean, I've been pregnant six times now, so it's just bound to happen. It's like, I don't know. That's how I figure out when something happened. It was like, okay, who was I pregnant with at the time? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it just, 
Yeah, hope I I see you. <laughs> I will find out where you live. And I will come to you. Rob, put our address in the group chat. <laughs> I know that's right. Don't no, no, have it. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been pregnant so many times. Um, but yeah, so- I mean, I, I decided then I wasn't going to do it anymore. And now Thanksgiving is great. Like it's. Super- did you did you did you ever tell them why you're not doing it anymore? Or did you just stop? Oh, doing no, it? I just stopped. You know, that's a boundary that I had. And I think you, you talk about it with this discussion on narcissism. I could say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could it wouldn't I, land. It wouldn't land. And I would still be villainized. And I was, so I wrote mom. A you letter. know what I mean? Oh. I wrote mom a letter and I mailed it to her. I don't know if she read it. I don't know if she took it and shredded it or whatever, but I, I felt like, cause here's the deal. I, I really do feel that Mm. at some point forgiveness is still on us our lord is quite clear in the bible Mm -hmm. that that forgiveness is still something we're held to account for even if we've been wronged and even if even if the other party isn't now here's the deal there's a difference between reconciliation and forgiveness right right you might not ever be truly reconciled christ won our forgiveness on calvary but we can't be truly reconciled until I go in the box and tell our Lord, I'm sorry. This is what I did. I knew it was wrong. I own it. It was my fault. And I, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then you can receive the forgiveness. You can be reconciled to Holy Mother Church. Mm-hmm. So I know that reconciliation is not something that's, but that's not, we're not tasked with that. Mm-hmm. We're tasked with forgiveness. And that's hard to do. We did a show uh, a while mm-hmm. ago about how hard it is to forgive sometimes. Now, sometimes it's easy to forgive. You know, somebody says something and without meaning to hurt your feelings, it does. And you come to them and you say, hey, you know, when you said that, that was kind of hurtful. And they go, oh, man, you know what? I'm an idiot. You're right. I am so sorry. And then you can forgiveness is easy at that point. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. I mean, most of the time, depending on what it is. Or but- if it's an extremely rare offense, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Something like, like that. Yeah. Yep. I think for me too, I've learned because of the environment that I grew up in. I'm so sorry, Haley. Um, the environment that I grew up in certain personalities, uh, it sort of gets ingrained into you that, that you should always expect or assume the worst in people. Right. Because that's mm-hmm. what that's what's being modeled for you for sure. certain, you know, yeah. um, especially people who have narcissistic tendencies or, um, you know, borderline personality disorder. I mean, it, it's like they, they create these stories, these narratives, and they really believe them, you know, and you, and it's always like when you're the one being attacked, you're like, what the heck? You know, that is so not at all what happened. Where did this come from? How, like, why is this, why is this the first thing you're jumping to? Mm. And I remember seeing in myself when I was a teenager that I was starting to do that. I was starting, starting to always assume the worst in people. Mm -hmm. And it has taken me decades now to rewrite my brain, to assume the best and to like give people the most charitable excuse that I can without necessarily letting them off the hook. If it's something that is you know, objectively morally wrong, but instead of assuming the worst in people to be like, no, I want to give charity where I like, I would prefer it if somebody assumed the best about me. I don't think everyone's a complete asshole. Like sometimes people say and do stupid stuff on accident, you know, and they're not intending harm or anything. I know I've done it. 
<laughs> um, but it, but I think that takes a lot of inner work. Um, and, and that's even more important, I think, around the holidays. Like you have to you have to be so much more aware because this time a lot of people are dealing with so many different things. I mean, in my yeah. family, oftentimes we're dealing with a lot of loss and grief. Like there's that that layer there. And so you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Are they acting this way because they're grieving? Not because grief gives you a license to treat everyone like shit. It doesn't. Um, Just so you know, we, we, I don't have a, I don't have a beeper. I don't have a, I'm beep. so sorry. No. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I a family just, show. It's a family I'm show. Sorry. I I just don't think uh, it's not, sorry. I, actually I might. I wonder if I have a beeper. Do, no. I got, okay, no. I got Come on StreamYard, step it up, man. Give me a beep. It doesn't okay. so it doesn't give you license to treat You're people right. badly. You're right. Um and and I think at least having that awareness so I can say, yeah, that's wrong. I'm going to overlook that. I forgive you, even though you will never apologize. But that doesn't mean I have to engage and I don't have to interact. I can set a boundary and say, yeah, I'm just going to avoid you for a while because it's better for me and my own family for that to happen, for like us to not engage. Um, I Like what are the things that, so it sounds like you've, you've chosen to go somewhat no contact with like your mom. What about, well, here's the deal. I, I, I feel like I, I I feel like as a Catholic, I have a responsibility, and I know this. There's like a million therapists who would disagree with me, but my religion is what what takes precedence in guiding the morality of my actions. And I feel like I have a responsibility to leave the door open to reconciliation. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing: I have this new thing, and I do and I do it with my dad, where if he says something out of pocket, I will tell him what you said was hurtful. And we're not cool until you say, I'm sorry, just so you know, because when I hurt people's feelings, I have to say, I'm sorry. I've had to do that since I was like seven or eight years old. Mm. You're an adult and it's not enough to just not do it anymore. You've got to, you've got to own what you did and say, you're sorry, or we're not cool anymore. And they don't blow up at you. I don't care if they blow up at me. I'm 44 okay. years old. He, yeah. I can take him. I can take him now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a big dude and he's, you know, in his seventies pushing, mm -hmm. pushing close to 80. So no, I, I'm, he ain't, ain't no blowing up at me anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't really care if they blow up at me. And the letter that I wrote my mother, I said, you know, what happened was, you know, what happened was wrong. All the other things that this idiot. Now I will say this. My door with her husband, is, as far as I'm concerned, is closed. If that guy were drowning, I'd probably throw him a barbell. There is a list of people. It's a short list. There's a list of people. I'm not there yet. Don't trip. God's not through with me yet. Okay? He's not through with me yet. Please pray for me, and maybe I'll get there. But for right mm -hmm. now, it's not there. With mom, it's a little bit different. Um, but she's got to apologize. And she's not going to. So that's fine. But... I feel like that's a boundary that, that, that is not unreasonable. Mm -hmm. That's something that I think both of you make your kids do if they mm -hmm. get out of pocket and normal people grow up saying, I'm sorry for things. That's one of the things I don't trust people who don't go to confession. I don't trust Catholics who don't go to confession. There's something off about somebody who can't even apologize to God. Mm. I just don't. I think that's a character flaw, quite frankly, but I don't know. Hope, what do you think? Um, Hi, Connor. I mean, I've I've got somebody in my life that, uh, well, not 
he's in my life as little as possible, mm -hmm. but uh, that I'd throw a barbell if he was drowning too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'd just be like, yeah, mm. see ya. <laughs> throw a party on his grave. Um, but uh, I, I really struggle um, where you, where like you, Angela, you said uh, to, uh, you know, try to interpret things with charity where, you know, oh, maybe this person, you know, if it's something that's not like someone who has a history of directly always being like, I am trying to hurt you. Yeah. I really struggle with that. Like with my mother-in-law, she's a boomer. She's extremely type A. She thinks her opinion is the most important opinion in the world. And, and the she's only always, one that, that's allowed, I'm sure. Yep, yep. And the only one that's allowed, like I, she, she's always got a comment on how I have my house decorated, uh, where I put, you know, my art that I wanted to put up, you know, and I struggle with that. Cause I'm just like, on one side, it's like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, she's, she's got her opinions and she doesn't care that they're not wanted or welcome, mm -hmm. whatever. But on the other end, it's like, who do you think you are? This yeah. is my house. You don't get to insult me in my house. And I really struggle with, uh, trying to not as rob says start world war three with her all the time <laughs> see my but wife like, has been my wife is the one who's helped me get over i mean because it used to be like every time my wife would do something like like she'd ask me to take the take the garbage can out and i'd forget and then she'd come and she'd hey don't forget to take out the garbage can and i'd be like i'm doing it okay and she's like dude i'm not what did i do and i was like okay you're right okay that wasn't an attack Mark, calm down. Mm -hmm. It's not not everybody. You do become hyper vigilant, you, though. You, know? you and, do like yeah. And sometimes she's like, I don't know. It's hard to talk to you because sometimes you get so. And I'm like, you're you're right, and I'm sorry, and I need to. But she's really helped me get over that because she's, if she comes from her own uh, background of just not functional family and the things that she's had to get over. Um, I mean, we're, we're very traumatic and indeed. So I I'm amazed that the two of us found each other and I'm amazed that it, that it works, that it hasn't turned into its own brand of toxic codependency. But it, I, I mean, I just, this is the, this is the longest relationship I've ever had with another human being. It is the only non-toxic and functional familial relationship I've ever had with another human being. Mm -hmm. And it has been such an amazing source of sanctifying grace. Obviously we know the sacrament of matrimony and um, I just, I'm just so eternally grateful to God for her in my life. And it's just been, I've been so trying to get her on the show, but she's shy. She won't come on. Mm, I would love to see her on here. Yeah. Haley, I think you're right. Um, realizing that these are, I think a lot of these are generational curses, especially if you're dealing with things like addiction. Like we have, I have alcoholism on both sides of my family, depression, anxiety, um, lots of things like that. And ailments even, I'm sure I see a theme in certain like autoimmune diseases that seem to be generational. Um, and you're right. I think this is a, an opportunity for us to reclaim our own um, family lineage in a way, and to offer these sufferings up for even the generations that came before us. This really goes back, Mark, to the episode that you and Jason have about um, praying retroactively, mm -hmm. right? Mm 
Yeah. Um, I think we have an opportunity to sort of um, rectify some of that and, and hopefully maybe lessen the damage a little bit, because I think having an awareness even of, of some of those things, you can go your whole life without realizing exactly what sort of toxic behaviors are going on until, and, and I, for me anyway, they became more pronounced the more I was exposed to healthy family dynamics, right? Mm. Because it's such a stark experience when you come from dysfunction to be, um, to even just sit back and be witness to like a healthy family dynamic. It's so edifying in a way that I can't really explain unless you have experienced it for yourself. Like I can recall uh, several years ago, um, back when I was, I was running a pregnancy center at the time. And, um, one of our major donors was, uh, it was this guy, he's like a farmer, but owns a family construction business kind of thing, huge business. Um, and he has 11 kids. He and his wife have 11 kids and they're very devout practicing Catholics. And the wife is like a living saint. It's incredible. But they invited me to a Sunday brunch over at their house. And I got to sit back and observe. I happened to be friends with one of their daughters as well. So that, that also helped, but I, I got to sit back and watch this family come together with 11 kids, like dozens of grandkids, pretty much. There was no TV in the house. Like, I mean, it was just incredible. And everyone genuinely enjoyed spending time together and everyone's playing together and and interacting in just such a beautiful, positive way. And I remember sitting back and watching and thinking, God, like, this is what you had in mind. This is what family is supposed to look like. And this is so beautiful, like absolutely incredible just to sit back and like experience it. I was not, you know, it it was just like, it was happening to me, you know? And I left and I remember getting in my car and like, my heart was just like pounding in my chest. Like, Oh my gosh, this was so like that, the way your heart pounds and you see something beautiful, like beautiful Mm -hmm. artwork where, you know, it might stop your heart for a minute, but then it, it just like that beating that heavy beating. And you're like, wow, this is, this is beauty. And this is truth and goodness. And I want this, I want this in my own home. And, um, you know, if I shared that with some of my own family, they would be offended. Like, I can't believe (laughs) that you feel this way. Like, well, yeah, but it was like one of those those, uh, those moments where I was so keenly aware of my own dysfunction, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, and so keenly aware of those broken parts of our family. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think being able to hold on to that and and claim it for our own and, and, and spending time with families that do live that way really helps us and our own families to sort of heal those wounds and and hopefully not pass them on. Um, and the Mm -hmm. holidays are of course, just an important time for that because our, the holidays are when we're forming traditions for our own families. Right. And those are the things that really define and shape our own homes are those family traditions. I mean, it's, it's what defines our our faith in a lot of ways, tradition. Um, so yeah, being able to incorporate those things and be cognizant of them, Um, I do think spending time with good, healthy families is like one of the best things you can possibly do if you are trying to escape dysfunction and rewrite your own family history. Hope Mm -hmm. very much agrees. (laughs) So I found a family, well, a family of people I grew up with, actually, I was in scouts with their kids and we're all still friends to this very day. And they're Protestants, full disclosure, they're Methodists. Um, but they have such a healthy and positive family environment. 
And by the grace of God, these people have invited me and my wife over to their house every year for Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, every, every, all of the major holidays, you know, we go to church separately, obviously I don't, I don't attend their church (laughs) No. um, and, and, and nor would they ask me to. And that's, that's the thing. They know that I'm Catholic traditionally so, and have huge theological differences with their religion. And I mm-hmm. still get to be me when I go over there. They, they are like, I love they, res- that. they respect that. Right. And, you know, and vice versa. I, I, I can't say that I respect their religion because I think it's a false religion, nor would I say they respect my religion, but I respect their, con- their sincerity, right. And their mm-hmm. conviction. And I pray yeah. for their conversion, obviously. But um, one of the things that has helped me really heal is knowing what it is that's going on. So I started doing, I started reading a lot about um, uh, toxic relate, toxic family relationships, narcissistic personality disorders. And it really helped me heal uh, in realizing that. um, So I I remember the first time a therapist asked me, I was, I must've been in my thirties at some point. And this was not because I was in therapy. I was actually, um, this was for, this was for, uh, something else that was unreal. This was occupationally related. I had to go interview with somebody about uh, personality types and you'll see a lot of people will do this. And somebody once asked me after about five minutes in my session, they said, have you ever had suicidal ideation just Mm -hmm. because of the answers I was giving? And I leaned back in my chair and I went almost every day for 30 years. Why? And she was her eyes got really wide. She said, I'm sorry, could you say that one more time? And I said, yeah, almost every day for 30 years. And I feel like I've been able to outrun it pretty well, but I fear one day it's going to get me. It's going to catch me. And that's, I, I, I know that that's how I'll die. I lived like that for 40 years, guys, 40 years. And then I realized that the reason I felt like I was never good enough, I was never going to be good enough. I sucked at everything. And, and my parents' divorces and all their remarriages and everything are my fault are not because mm-hmm. they were really my fault. It was their baggage that they were making me carry. And mm-hmm. I don't have to carry it anymore. And for the first time in my life, after I finally started setting boundaries, I, I don't, I, I have not had a suicidal thought in years and I feel like for the, I feel like that's not going to get me anymore. Mm. I mean, by the grace of God, obviously, but I don't, I don't fear that, that that's not hanging. That dark cloud is not hanging over me anymore. It, you can get, people can heal is mm. my point. Yeah. And, um, let's see. Yeah, no, it's not normal. It's not normal. Um, <laughs> But um, I'm, I'm just going through some of the comments here. Guys, chime in. Don't don't make sure you like the stream, by the way. Do yeah, like things. the video like, and subscribe, subscribe to Tradman and integrate it um, with geez. Angela Erickson and avoiding Babylon and all of and plot lines with my boy Connor. All of the shows that we like to do yeah. together. <laughs> it's um, lovely. Yeah. Um, no, Mark, I'm so uh, that just like that is heartbreaking. And. And I think it's easy to go undetected, especially I've been thinking a lot about this because I suffer from perfectionistic tendencies as well. And it's something I'm, and I was thinking about it even more tonight and it, and it does come from this environment of, of 
growing up in a dysfunctional environment. Um, and I'm learning that my perfectionism, my perfectionism isn't even so much just like doing everything perfectly, even though I may try, but really beating myself into a pulp when I don't do something because my expectations for myself are unrealistic, you know? And so I'll set these unrealistic goals and then the goals that I could never attain. And then I beat myself up when I don't attain them. And I, and, and I, the, like the, the way that I talk to myself is, is I would never talk to somebody the way that I talk to myself. And so I can relate a lot to, um, some of what you're describing. It's like, um, yeah, there are these things in my, those really dark parts of my, of my own life that I'm working through and healing from. And, and it's just a process. And one of the things that, that is so important about, navigating that this time of year is really not being afraid to have, have boundaries and to enforce those boundaries. And that's not always easy. Like, you know, in, in my own family, because of the death of my sister, it's sort of weaponized against us. Anytime somebody sets a boundary, it's like, well, I can't believe you would do that after your sister died. You should know how fleeting life is. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have boundaries with your family because, you know, you wouldn't want to end on bad terms with somebody. It's like you can't weaponize somebody's death because like just because somebody right. died doesn't mean that the toxicity goes away. And that was a hard lesson that I had to learn is I I became for a long time kind of the, the strong person for everybody to lean on. And I realized at some point I was like, this is not healthy and I'm neglecting my myself and as a result, my own family but things are always going to be weaponized against you. So it's like, you have to have firm boundaries and it's okay to say no. Like it's, I've been telling my kids lately, no, no is a full sentence. And I don't, I'm not going to explain myself. I don't have to No is a full sentence and that's okay. That's okay. Um, no, it's, it's not a normal thing. And Haley, talk to somebody come on the show. If you want, talk to us through the comment section, if you want, but you got to know that whatever it is you're beating yourself up about is probably not your fault. Mm -hmm. And, and here's the thing. If it is go to confession, I guarantee you, whoever's holding a grudge against you doesn't have a better moral compass than Jesus of Nazareth. Sorry. He doesn't. He or she does not. And I like the story of of the prodigal son. I love that story so much because it, it explains what, what our heavenly father, who is perfect, how he looks at our deficiencies and our faults. When the prodigal son comes back, the, the father doesn't go, well, 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 look who showed up. Huh? He doesn't do that. Right. Because our heavenly mm. father doesn't do that. And so mm. the thing that you're beating yourself up about the thing that's, that's, making you feel worthless or that you don't matter and that the world would just be better off without you is satanic. It is That's satanic. Pray the prayer of St. Benedict, pray the Jesus prayer and get that demon out of your life. Go to confession, spend time in front of our Lord, man, or, or, and take, take refuge in your friends in the church. I mean, we, we love you. We we don't want anything to happen to you. So no, that's not normal. And I felt I, I, every day for 40 years, well, you know, I don't know if I thought about when I was a kid, although interestingly enough, 
uh, I found a um, in the stack of stuff that my mom gave me one time years ago. I found some psychological analysis that were done of me when I was a kid when my parents got divorced. Because mm. rather than rather than deal with that, they were like, "Here, go tell your feelings to a shrink." I guess. Well, and but the, but I mean, at least they did that. I mean, I, I could have that. used a therapist, honestly. <laughs> the analysis was very one. interesting. Mark always feels like he's done something wrong. Mark feels like he's a bad child. Mark feels that this is all his fault. I don't know why he feels like them. Like, hmm, I wonder, I was five years old. Where in the world could I have gotten these ideas from, lady? Think about it. Um, I but, don't you know, want to do like a, a a bad, shameless shout out, but the episode that I did on adult children of divorce, if you are listening and you are an adult child of divorce, I have this. Oh, really I got to go back and listen to that one. I haven't heard that one. Oh my goodness. You, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's a really great interview. I did this interview with Layla Miller on her book, um, primal loss, the adult children of divorce speak. And, um, I think, I still think it's one of my favorite interviews that I've done over the last year, but it was before I started recording them on YouTube. So mm. go back to my podcast, subscribe, you know, whatever platform you use and go listen to it because I even just listened to it the other day and I was like, man, there are just so many nuggets in here. Um, and, and then it, you'll see that like the, those experiences that you're describing are so familiar to children of divorce. It is not mm. you. You are not alone. Um, That's I why I want to do this show. I, yeah. I felt like there's a lot of people who like me, they, you know, especially if you go to traditional Latin mass uh, parishes, which I do, um, it's easy to sit there and see these quote unquote, perfect families with all these kids and they all pray the rosary together and everybody, you know, it, and you just think I got cheated. I got mm. robbed. I got, you did. You, you did. You, you did. You okay. Did. Maybe, maybe I did, but did. here's, here's the other thing. That family ain't perfect either. No, there's, and man, I, I found out, I had a friend of mine who uh, called me recently um, asking about divorce. And I was like, you've been married for 28 years. What are you talking mm. about? And he proceeded to tell me. And so the point, the point of the story is the only two people who really know what's going on in a marriage are the two people who are in the marriage. So from the out and God, suspend yeah. your, suspend your projections. <laughs> yes. And right. God, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Three to suspend be married, your projections right? about what other people and how they look and things like that, because there's only been one perfect family in all of human history. And, mm-hmm. and that's yes. Yes. We do strive to emulate their virtues, but we're not going to get there without that, without the grace that comes from the, the Christ child himself. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you can, it's easy to see that and then think, well, I guess I'm just some outlier. Maybe I don't really belong in this, this, this traditionalist revival or this traditional restoration. Cause I'm just one of the, like you said, adult children of divorce. I'm one of the, the people who don't really fit in here. Wrong, wrong. You absolutely belong here. You absolutely belong here. And John Paul II said it. Um, if you're a member of the church, you have a family, big family. Mm-hmm. And it's our family, right? You guys well, and don't be afraid to family. start something new, right? Like behold, I make mm-hmm. all things new, right? Mm, yeah. And God gives us that opportunity within our own homes, but also within our own communities, right? Like, because what you're saying, the church is not merely within the four walls of your home and your domestic ecclesia, but here we have an opportunity to, um, 
create something new with God's hand. And, and, uh, sometimes, you know, it's, I think it's healthy sometimes to just say, no, like this is not, it's not selfish of you to prioritize your own, your own health. You know, (laughs) I think sometimes we feel guilty because we're so used to being gaslit and blamed and you internalize that and you, you blame yourself for everything. And it's like, no, like I have to, God gave, like he created me. I have to take care of me. And that's not, and not in a selfish sense, like you're only thinking of yourself, but, but really in the sense of like, what's actually going to be fruitful. And, and if, if that time you're spending together is not fruitful and, and like, seriously, you can tell that this is not edifying. This is not, if you're spending all of Thanksgiving gossiping about family or, or issues that that so-and-so has with the neighbors or what have you, that is not what God, that was not what God had intended when he said, come and worship me. This is, or come and remember me, come and and spend time celebrating me on, on on my birthday or what have you. It's like, we don't come together to sit around and gossip. And, you know, depending on the person, you may not have an opportunity to say, you know, this is not, this is not a holy way to celebrate a holy day. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to be involved here. Like, I think there are better things that we could be doing that are, that are cultivating something beautiful and really giving glory and honor to our Lord. And that's what I want to do. Like, that's, I want to give glory and honor. I want my life to be a testimony to how much he has changed my life, to how much he has saved me from myself and my own family. And I want to embody that in my own domestic church. And if that, if that's not happening in these family events, you're not obligated. You're not. No is a full Mm -hmm. sentence. For sure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and there are a lot of things. And if you don't have like God had blessed me with this family that invites me to their, their house every year for Christmas and Thanksgiving and new year's and Easter and all these things. If you don't have that, like I actually, before I started doing that with this family, I started looking into, um, uh, contact, I contacted the diocesan services office and asked if there were, um, you know, homeless shelters or, uh, or a food Mm -hmm. kitchen or something that I could volunteer on at Christmas. And they were like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Contact this person, things like that. You would be surprised how fulfilling, how spiritually fulfilling of a Christmas you can have mm-hmm. handing out food to people who need it. And you'll be that you'll be sitting there wondering, where was I? Why wasn't I doing this every year at Christmas? Mm-hmm. I can't wait to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, the best That's Christmas I ever spent was, <laughs> believe it or not, in a monastery. Uh, so I just, I was, I just earned a vocation right out of high school. Um, and I was there for two years. It was not my vocation being a lawyer is my vocation. So I'm not, I'm not salty that it didn't work out, uh, but, but, uh, it was not my vocation, but the best Christmas I spent was that Christmas in the, in the, in the community, because there were no gifts. We, we didn't exchange any gifts, obviously. And, we were in advent leading all the way up to Christmas. And then Christmas Eve, we spent all day decorating, putting up the Christmas decorations around the monastery, decorating the chapel and everything like that. And then Christmas all day was devoted to the divine office, Holy mass, a big celebration meal, 
Um, you get to sleep in a little bit, which in the monastic means you get up at 7 a.m. instead of 5 a.m. <laughs> that might not be sleeping in. I don't know. But um, but either way, it was it, it remains to this day my favorite Christmas memory I've ever had in my entire life. And it I you know, if you're a young person just out of high school and you ha- don't know what's coming next, do a retreat, do a retreat at a seminary or a monastic community or, or, or a religious community and just test your call. You never know. Listen for a, listen for a call. And if, and the great thing about these vocations directors are they, they can help you find what your vocation is, even if it's not to religious mm-hmm. life, be open. Anyway, I don't know how I got off on that rant, but anyway, um, you know what it made me think of actually though, was, you know, especially being in a monastery and then I'm thinking about the mass too, you know, right, right at the consecration, you know, right beforehand, it, it gets silent and the priest is quiet, especially in a low mass. And you don't hear anything really when he's saying the words of consecration. And then all of a sudden he's raising up the Eucharist and you get the bells, you know, and it just is resounding through the church and you just feel it in your bones. It's like this beautiful, everyone's just waiting with bated breath for this mm. moment in which our Lord is, is shown to us. And you sit there and you go, my Lord and my God. And I feel like you can have, I mean, these beautiful liturgical seasons, Christmas and Easter, and and you have these penitential seasons leading up to that. And they're they're supposed to be quiet like that, right? They're supposed to be more quiet so you can receive our Lord and look at him and say, oh my gosh, like this is it. And I think really is that, is that like the answer to all of this is really keep your eyes on Jesus. And sometimes it gets complicated because you want to honor your father and mother. Right. Um, and, and it's funny because I, I, the last couple of weeks talking to different priests, whether I've, uh, you know, in reconciliation, I, I actually had a priest last few weeks ago say to me, do you feel like you're enough? Do you feel like you're good enough? I was like, Oh, <laughs> Yeah, like getting called out in the confessional. In <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do I? Did you just hear what I said, Father? <laughs> no, I'm obviously not good enough. And then a week later, I have another priest saying, "You know, Angela, the things that you're describing here, he's like, you're not acting sinfully. Like talking about these things, and and you have these feelings about the things that you're experiencing with your family." And he goes. Because he's, he's my, this was my parish priest, uh, whereas the other one was not. Um, and, and I said, you know, you hear my confessions regularly. You know, the, the things I'm confessing every week or every other, every other week, I try to go bi-weekly. Um, and I said, I just feel like I'm, I'm a failure, or like I'm a bad daughter or what have you. And he goes, Angela, what you've described here is not like dishonoring to your family. It's like, there's something going on here and you're having feelings and you need to sit with that. And like, ask Mm. yourself what the why, and, and then see, like relate that to God, the father and our lady and ask our lady to help you. And you're always like intellectually going, yeah, I know, I know. Yes, I know. I can't understand what God, the father is like, because I've never experienced the love of a father in a way that showed me what a protector was like, or, Um, you know, all these characteristics that are like attributed to God, the father. And then even with our lady, it's like, what is it like to experience the love of, of a nurturing mother? I don't know. I don't know. So how do I understand our lady? How do I relate to her? And yeah. how do I like internalize that and replicate that in my own life? I'm having a hard time with that father. 
And he goes, you need to sit with that and you need to like experience it, let it happen and, and not judge yourself for feeling the way that you feel because there's something there and you need to sit with it. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we're looking at the holidays too, it's like, why, why am I feeling anxious? And am I sitting with that? Am I, am I like, instead of just experiencing it and just like trying to push it off and be like, there's whatever, I'll just ignore this and I'll, I'll subject myself to this sort of abuse. (laughs) Sometimes like we'll do that. We'll die to ourselves in that way. And we'll think we're being, um, like, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to die to yourself in this way. My mother's favorite saying was, that's just the way he is. Meaning, you know, he gets to be the jerk and your role is to take the abuse. Yes. Yes. I heard that too. Don't fight fire with fire, Angela. Don't do that. Kill him with kindness. Yep, exactly. Sometimes silence is the only way to respond. And it's like, okay, but like, what if the silence, not for him, not for him. He gets to be a jerk for you. (laughs) Silence is the only way to respond. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) And I think so if, if you are growing up in a, a, in these fam, these, these times of year, are, uh, you know, this, the holidays are difficult for you. You know, ask yourself, you know, why am I feeling anxious about this? And sit with that and ask yourself, how, how can I spend this holiday, this holy day in a way that gives glory and honor to God and, um, and is edifying and is really doing something to build up his kingdom and truly celebrate him instead of like experiencing it as if I'm just suffering through something just because I think I'm expected to. You don't have to, you know, I think like the most, one of the, one of the, one of the greatest things that our Lord gave us is the right to call God, our father. And it's, and it, and it is not nothing. You know, one of the biggest beefs that both the Jews and the Muslims have with us is mm-hmm. who do you think you are to call God, your father? How dare you and you know what they're not wrong about that and we even admit it in holy mass before we pray the our father the priest says which literally means we have the audacity to say our father who art in heaven it's an audacious thing to call god your father and the only reason we can do it is because christ told us we could because Christ made us adopted Israelites because Christ made us adopted children of God. And so there's that, there's that next line, right? There's our father who art in heaven, hallowed is your name. So yes, he is our father, but that doesn't mean he's, you know, he's your chummy. He's he, your buddy, buddy. He's still holy and holy is his name, but mm-hmm. he is your father. And we, and so that that is an amazing thing to to sit there and contemplate and to and to think about that even if our fathers on this earth were not great and all fathers are flawed all well, sons we're all are flawed. flawed you know all mothers like, are flawed none of us I'm are going to get it too. right all the time right no but my goodness our heavenly father who is perfect is our father we have the right to claim such a thing because it was one for us on Calvary. So if you get nothing else out of Christmas, man, um, at least we have that. And that's not nothing. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. to me, it's one of my favorite, um, favorite meditations. Hope. I feel like we've kind of like shut you out. This <laughs> Did we, did we talk over you? I'm so sorry. <laughs> 
I know. I'm like, I'm wait- <laughs> like, I want to know what Hope is thinking. I've been thinking that for the last <laughs> several minutes. Like, I'm just sitting here, just. But yeah, what are you thinking? Jump in. I just, I don't feel like I have that much to contribute because my whole thing with dealing with toxic family has been, I don't talk to you this anymore, thing. and I'm running away for hours. Does that does, when you say that. you're running away, does that mean like what is what do you mean by that? Because you actually grew up somewhat close to where I live. I mean like 40 I, minutes I, away I, or so. You're, I you're grew actually, up in Minnetonka. Yeah, so you so. you would be closer to where my own family is. Yeah. She has been yeah. yawning a she lot. She has been yawning a lot. She's a mama. She's she, she got yeah, a baby. She's got a full-time job outside of baby coming on our show. In here, there, so. You know, she's got a bun in the oven. It's like, yeah, she's sleepy. Yeah, we really um, are grateful for you for coming on. Thank you, Hope. I really appreciate it. <laughs> so, Hope, how do you then, and, and I hope I'm not extending this any longer than you're wanting, Mark. I don't know when you want to close, but I'm curious to know how you have learned, like, because you're, not only are you a convert, but you also kind of come from this environment that maybe was, I mean, less than ideal would be the nicest way to put it. <laughs> It's interesting because we actually have a lot of similarities, although I, I think yours was a bit more extreme. Um, it was definitely more extreme. Um, but how do you then relate to God the Father and Our Lady? Like, I would love to hear how you do that if you ha- like are how you're working through that at this time. Um, it's been a struggle a lot because like my mom she has now, you know, kind of accepted that, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. She has apologized uh, now at this point in my life. Yeah. But it didn't change any of her behavior or actions, but she has at least apologized and been like, yeah, I'm sorry. I kind of sucked. And, Mm. uh, but just dealing with especially growing up with a Protestant view of Our Lady mm. as, you know, just another person. You know, she just happened to be the one who's the the womb that bore Jesus, and that's it. Um, so just fighting against that in and of itself is hard for me. But um, having a mom who wanted a doll instead of a daughter mm. and a perfect little puppet um, to make her look good. And same for my dad. Um you know, he wanted a family so that he could have a veneer of respectability so that people wouldn't see that he was a total sleaze. Um, I do have a hard time uh, relating to God the Father and Our Lady and you know, everything. Um, that there's, you know, this idea that, uh, you know, that there is someone, you know, in the universe besides Rob who loves me for more than what I can do for them or how I can make them look. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really hard for me. I do, I mean, even after five years of marriage, five and a half now, I still struggle with, you know, Rob's going to get tired of me. I don't have a, cause yeah, my parents didn't get divorced until I was 19, 20. Ooh, that's a hard time to go through that, actually. Well, it, and the thing is, is but I had known that the whole marriage was a farce and that it was going to 
fall apart the second I opened my mouth since mm -hmm. I was like 10. So I had been dealing with basically delayed trauma since I was like 10, 11, 12. Mm. And uh, knowing that, you know, oh, they all, they talked, they talked big when they'd be having their big fights that, you know, oh, divorce is never an option. Divorce is never an option. And then I move out and everything just implodes after that. Because I got tired of being just keeping my mouth shut, basically. And I looked at that and I'm just like, okay, my dad came from broken home. Um, my mom, both her parents divorced, remarried, uh, moved, you know, way, way out of state, away from us down to Florida and to North Carolina. So I never had like a, with the exception of like my dad's family when we would go um like his his siblings then we would go see them at uh at holidays i never had like good family grounding mm -hmm. and i basically hated except for, like i said except for when we'd go see my uh my older sister my half sister i guess she'd be considered mm -hmm. um and she's she was 21 when i was born yeah, I was so gonna she ask kind of, what the age she kind of was. she kind of filled the mom role for me more mm. or less. Um, a lot of times, Rob will turn to me and be like, "How did you survive your childhood?" And I'm like, "I give full credit to my sister. I give full credit to my sister because, um, like, my mom would be out of town on some sales trip or whatever, and my dad would just dump me off on my sister and her husband, mm. and." Uh, my sister was always the one stuck with me when I was, um, when I needed to be watched or anything. And uh, I give her full credit for me having any sort of semblance of what a normal mother acts like. Mm. My brother-in-law for any sort of semblance of, you know, what a non-total sleazeball dad acts like. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I give them full credit for for everything they were like the big positive factors in my life growing up but I still have such a hard time trying to relate to you know our lady being like you know I am if you're if you're a Christian if you love my son I am your mother you know and loving every and loving all of us and um and like, what does that even look like? I mean, that's that, yeah. like, how would you even know it if you saw it? Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I like I'd go like, to my friend's house and they'd have, you know, non dis non super dysfunctional families. And it, it was so foreign to me. Yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, I think God had big plans for you <laughs> and put, I'm, I'm serious, put people in your life that could at least carry you through to being the adult that he wanted you to be. And then, you know, now, now that, now that you're with Rob, you're, you're in a good spot to, you know, grow in Christian holiness. Yeah. And for me, believe it or not, the guy that I wandered on in on that was like, that was a man named Lawrence Lelou who ran a Catholic bookstore here in Houston called St. Francis of Assisi religious goods. And I remember I when I got a, when I got my driver's license at 16, uh, it was like if you grew up in Houston, there's nowhere you don't walk anywhere in Houston. So if you don't have a driver's <laughs> license, you're under house arrest basically until you're 16. So as soon as I got to 16, I couldn't wait to get out and go places. 
And I had no idea what being Catholic meant. I knew it was a denomination of Christianity. Um, that's about all I knew about it. So I went to this mm -hmm. Catholic store and I met this guy who owned the store and we started talking and then I went back and I talked to him some more and we'd sit in the back and make, uh, we'd fix rosaries and make St. Joseph house, uh, house selling kits. And we'd make blessed Miguel pro holy cards. And he would teach me about the Catholic faith. And then when the store would close, he'd invite me over for dinner at his house and him and his wife made dinner for me. And they'd sit there and feed a 16 year old kid. That wasn't their kid. You know how much food you got to give a 16 year old boy <laughs> that isn't your kid. Um, Iggy I'm eats enough. I can't even imagine. I'm My friends, friends parents people. would give me food when I went over. That's so funny. I think they all thought that I was like malnourished. And so they would like tell me, Angela, you don't have to ask for food when you're here because I was so like over the top, almost like polite because that was the environment I grew up in was like mm -hmm. so difficult you know so yeah. i was well, like if you didn't watch every word you get in trouble exactly yeah. so i was over the top so all my friends parents loved me i was like the golden friend you know what i mean they were uh, they they loved it when angela came over she's so polite she's so nice you know all that stuff and i remember being like this is so weird my 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 husband's mom would pack extra food in my sister-in-law's like bag for when we would go on uh, go to like track meets and stuff so that i would have extra food to eat yes it's like a lot of food these people are so nice you're like what is this why are you being so nice to me <laughs> and now it's funny now we're married but <laughs> it wasn't because his mom was <laughs> packing extra food for me in in middle school and high school but yeah you're like why you're it's you feel so unworthy of that kind of attention and love I still, right? but yeah. I still keep in contact with the Lulus and they are still wonderful people. And I, but I, I don't even know if I would be a Catholic today if, if they hadn't taken me in. And I mean, he, they, Lawrence even says to people, cause he has two daughters. And then he says to people, Mark is the son I never had. Mm. God did that. God did that. Because, man, the, the route I was going down was the typical route you see abused kids go down. And I work with abused kids now in my practice. Mm -hmm. and, um, and you are an elite lawyer, so that's a that's big right. deal. That's <laughs> right. Never forget. <laughs> For um, real, though, Mark is a great lawyer. Yeah. And don't forget it. And especially don't forget it when I send the bill. Um <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but you know, people, I have, I have from a good source, you accept cookies as payment. I do. I do. <laughs> Trust me. Cookies. If what I stood up, cookies? I could show you proof that I accept cookies as payment. What kind of cookies? <laughs> yeah. I know, right? But people, you people won't have tell asked me what me, kind of cookies. <laughs> people have asked me like, what do you talk to these abused kids about? Like, what, what do you say to a 16, 17, 18 year old? Some of which have gone through unspeakable abuses. And like, what do you talk? What, what do you say to these kids? And my answer is always the same. I just talk to them about Jesus. That's it. That's the only person I've ever met that can fix a broken family, that can fix a broken soul. I can't do it. CPS for sure can't do it. The court can't do it. I just talk to them about Jesus. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it, I don't know, you know, um, I had one client who was in the CPS system. She was pregnant and her care, her caregiver, her foster 
and everybody in CPS was counseling her to get an abortion. I was oh, the only person who was there, who was, who was the voice of reason and talked to her and said, well, what do you want? She said, I want my baby. Mm. And I said, are you religious? And she said, I was baptized a Catholic, but I haven't received any of my sacraments after that. I gave her a rosary for Christmas. I don't know if she ever prays it. I don't know if she'll, but, but I do know one thing that baby was born alive. That baby is with us. Praise today. the Lord. You Praise know, Lord. you never know what impact you can have if you just just let God do his thing and get the heck out of his way. Mm-hmm. God is going to do amazing things. And who's to say that 10 years, 20 years from now, she won't come across that rosary and the little pamphlet I, I gave her on how to pray the rosary and change her life. And she could become one of the holiest saints in the history of the church. You can't say God won't do that because he did it for you. And I know it because he did it for me too. Just, man, I can't tell you things to celebrate. I can't tell you how many times. um, So I'm a board member, a board member for a sidewalk counseling organization. And I'm, I'm very good friends with the executive director. We've been friends for years. We do a a radio show together and we have for the last six years, but, um, they, the, the number of times that people will come back to him years and years later, where these women will, will come back with these older kids, teenagers, or, you know, coming into their twenties and say, because of you, my child is alive. There's a woman who comes back every year and on her son's birthday will bring roses to the, to our office and, and thank the staff there for being there for her when she went to go have her abortion and she changed her mind. And in fact, a couple of years ago, there was a woman who gave her testimony um, because again, she, she, she was scheduled for an abortion. She went there and she changed her mind and she herself was a child saved from an abortion. And her mom also changed her mind seeing a sidewalk counselor out that same abortion clinic, you know, however many years before it's just why a wild story, but yeah, you just never know how God's going to use you. And, and yeah, I think, um, you just never know how he's going to, how he's going to move in your own life. And I think we just have to be conduits of his grace. And I think this season, get out of the way. There's no, if you're feeling sad and during this Advent season, man, get rid of that and embrace the hope that comes from the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's coming. It's coming for you. It's personal. It's mm-hmm. not you in the generality. It's not like you're going to get a, not like when Jesus comes back, he's going to have to look up who you are. He knows who you are. He knew, he knew you before he formed you in the womb. He said so himself. That's what your Bible says. Um, this has been a great episode. I've really enjoyed this. I know it's coming up on an hour and 20. And so I guess we'll, we'll, wrap it up and let you yeah, guys and go, I have a tend child your, pulling my hair, so. <laughs> go tend to your more, more important jobs, but She's I really legit pulling it. my hair right now. I'm trying not to grimace too beautiful much. children, Angela. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. I'm so great. happy that both of you uh, took some time out of your schedules <laughs> tonight and came and joined us over here at Tradmen. This was a great episode for those of you in the chat, like subscribe, Hit the comment section uh, when it comes out. Um, you know this. This will. This will. You can go back and watch this later if you want. Um, Smash the us. like button. Smash the like Sorry. button. You know. It. And uh, if there's anything, you know, 
we'll be praying for y'all pray for us. And let's, let's, this is all of this happens, all of this dysfunction and everything because of sin in the world. And the more we turn away from that and embrace our Lord, especially during this season, um, the more the healing can, can begin. Angela, you got to go. I know that kid's going to, that kid's going to braid that hair. <laughs> I bet she's in twice if Anthony was here. I know, right? <laughs> Anthony gets all the girls. That guy, uh, I tell you, man. Those darn Italians. Yeah, know, they don't man, even the exist. Italian stallion. Anthony Abate. Prepping for heaven. Thanks, Thanks you for joining us. For Haley, if you're still yeah. with us, thank you for coming on too. We yeah. thank everybody in the comment section. This was a lot of, I, I think this was a very edifying discussion. It was a very vulnerable, but edifying discussion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, any parting thoughts? I'd love to hear from Hope. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun. All right. Well, um, in that case, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Remember, life is hard, but it's harder when you don't pray the rosary. And check in with me and hopefully Jason on Sunday on Sunday for our week four of Advent uh, wrap up show, where we'll talk about how our Advent went. And we'll see you all on the other side. We're not going to do a Christmas show on Tradman because we're going to let you guys go hang out and do whatever you do with family. So. Other than that, Angelo, good luck with the kiddos and hope <laughs> you guys have a good evening. We'll see y'all next too, time. Mark. God bless everybody. <laughs>